welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are aspiring writers, but we had a problem where we never actually took the time to sit down and write. Mm-hmm. So, to fix that problem, we are issuing a challenge. Each week, we sit down for 30 minutes to write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. And then we come on the podcast to read a story sent in by you, uh, wonderful listeners, and then we talk about what we learned in reading it. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's do the right thing. Baby. A doof. Media. Media. Production. Production. Um, I realized that uh, probably a lot of my problems uh, with my wakefulness and my, like, uh, being aliveness yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. come from uh, apparently like choking in my sleep constantly. So I'm getting the check mm. out this week just as an update uh, for uh, faithful listeners. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's, that's really good. I mean, it's, it's good to not choke during, during sleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I know what, what I tend to, to do is I tend to eat right before I go to okay. sleep. So, so that my throat is, you know, very, very open as I'm, laying down oh wait how does Um, that how does how does eating food make your throat more open because if you take really big bites okay and like if it hurts when you when you swallow down the food because you didn't chew it right okay uh it basically extends and like really flexes those uh those are throat muscles so you know it, it just gives you a better chance of not stopping breathing so it's kind of like it's, it's kind of like stretching before a work workout exactly yeah okay. yeah but it's um eating be, be, before you go to sleep but I, I will say only side effect is that when you wake up you will feel heavier and dry really and dry, dry. Mm, mm. yeah i thought you were gonna yeah. say um only um side dishes is uh you should eat only side dishes before sleep. That's what it sounded like you were gonna say. Oh no no no! no. I I eat a four course meal right before I go to sleep. Do people still do that? Like what? eat multiple Have courses four... per meal? No, I don't like. Like I think yeah, cause... It, like maybe you might have like an appetizer and maybe a dessert, so maybe three. I think. I mean, normally I've like I've always thought that that's more so of like a restaurant thing. But it's just know, sounds so really like, tiring to have a whole. So like when you when you go to like a restaurant, of course you will want to order a app because it's special. You're sitting down, you're like doing something. But I mean, when you're cooking at home, normally you just eat one meal, and you know mm-hmm, you don't eat mm-hmm. after or or before. If you ate chips before you started eating, does that count as a appetizer? Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Mm-hmm, cool. 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 Mm-hmm. But, but only if you eat enough chips to be full. That's a lot yeah. of chips. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, you you have to save room for the uh, main uh, dish, you know. So, you know, you're, you're basically building, like, a nice bed in your stomach of salt and uh, potato so that when you do eat your uh, pasta, it just slides right on in there. I don't like that. Um, and with that, I'll transition to the actual uh, podcast. What were the words this week, Travis? <laughs> Thank you so much for asking and your um, expertly handled transition. Mm-hmm. Perfect and seamless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the words for this week were manufacture, kick, carry, and survivor. Um, yeah, it was interesting seeing a couple of, of some small trends. Of, I think there was like two stories with regarding like labs and then also yes. uh, some people with 
uh, I was about to say furry hands, but actually I don't remember if that was only one store or another. But yeah. there were there were a, a few that take place in the sort of factory setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with that, let's actually get into the story about the furry hands. So this week's story that we're going to be reading is by uh, Komato Soup. With a familiar problem. Which is a pun, as you'll find out. Um, but yeah, I'll just get into reading it. Sure. Pistons hissed, spewing steam as once again the mighty press lifted up into the air, lurching with the requisite power to defy gravity. It was also a signal. All around Liss, there was a scurry of movement as the other members of, of her pod began preparation for the next cycle. Liss remained still, keeping her eyes shut. She didn't have to move just yet. Not until... There was the all-familiar clunk. A clump of magicite, the approximate size of Liss's body, fell through a chute next to her bunk. Liss twitched her whiskers with annoyance. She was almost certain the delay was getting shorter each time. That would be just like them, really. Another mechanic of the churn. No one ever ever got axed at the facility, per se. Instead, the facility would simply ramp up the schedule, allowing less and less breaks and countless other little transgressions. And if you made a mistake and got injured on the job, well, of course you were cared for. Medical attention, bed and board. You'd never quite make it back to work, though. You were injured, after all. Didn't want that happening again. It'd be selfish, inhumane, really, trying to get back after that. There were plenty of others desperate for the slot. Liss carried the clump of magicite over to the molding device next to her bunk, inserting it before beginning to work the crank. The sound of multiple cranks turned in succession filled the facility. Some were less well-maintained than others, resulting in a mishmash of noise that amounted to a dull, fluctuating buzz. The molding process was the closest thing to meaningful work. Occasionally, there would be some room for expression, an irregular chunk or impurity in the magicite that would require some working around. Still, such cases were maybe one in a hundred, and even then amounted to little more than ma- a few manual nudges on Liss's part. It was also probably the only reason Liss and the rest of her pod weren't replaced with automations of some automatons of some kind. Liss knew her role was vestigial, at best, due to be replaced as soon as they could brute-force their way around the temporary need for a working mind. The molding device hissed open, revealing a shimmering yellow cylinder. Liss lifted it up from the bottom, wincing a bit at the contact. Carrying magicite in its refined form burned at her paws, but it wasn't a far enough distance to do any permanent damage. If it were... They would have provided gloves for the sake of efficiency, if nothing else. There was no sense in not sparing the minimal cost to keep a familiar working for five years instead of two. Liss carried the cylinder into the central chamber below the press. There were fifty spaces carved into the metal plate worked into the ground. Fifty spaces for fifty cylinders. Liss found an open hole, lined up her cylinder, and gave it a little kick until it slid into place. Around 20-odd holes were still unfilled. That was it. Her job was done. Her function, rather. It was the job of Liss and the other familiars of the facility 
to move the raw magicite into the molding device, form a refined cylinder before placing the cylinders in their designated slots in the ground, at which point the great press would descend from above, sending the refined magicite somewhere. Liss wasn't sure what happened after that. The familiars weren't a part of whatever followed. And that constituted a cycle. And they needed to complete three cycles before a sleeping roto. Those still working began to take on a nervous energy. If you were one of the last five too many times in a row, soon enough you were replaced, your slot filled with some thankful newcomer. Replacement was inevitable given time. Familiars had a short shelf life as it was and the young beat out the old eventually. Liz figured she had a few more years left in her, but that kind of thing was hard to predict. It took only one bad day or festering injury to see her numbers plummet. Still, it wasn't as if she could complain. Familiars without a master to sustain them had to find work where they could. Liz twitched her whiskers. Whatever cheap Magus had designed the facility probably got awarded some kind of medal for his efforts. It was a two-birds-with-one-stone kind of situation. The ambient mana from handling Magicite was enough to barely sustain her, and in return, Liss could provide the facility with the cheapest possible skilled labor possible. In the outer world, it was marketed as charity and efficiency both. Really, you should be grateful for the opportunity, the recruiter had told her, as Liss felt her sentience dripping away with the death of her master. And truly, work in the facility was preferable to returning to a mundane, glassy-eyed mouse. But only just. And Liss refused to settle for just that. Liss returned to her bunk. There wouldn't be enough time to sleep before the next round, but there was something else to be done. Liss's master had passed from an irregular magical experiment and despite the awkward spot this had left her in, her history with lab work had left her with certain talents. Liss opened the molding device and carefully took her claw to a bit of magicite dredge she had accidentally spilled out and into one of the divots of the device. Then, ever so slowly, she carried it under her bunk and tipped it into a cup fashioned out of some of the scrap impurities removed from the magicite. Three small glows twinkled at her from the darkness under her bunk. It was her hope for the future. She had almost three full cups now, already worked into her prototype harness. She tested the harness meticulously, measuring the rate of decay and flow of ambient mana. If all went well, it'd only be two more cups before Liss had enough to sustain her for the rest of her years. She'd leave instructions, of course. Her manufacturing methods, the numbers, the best practices. Liz was no monster to secure her freedom and leave her peers to languish forever. But she'd set it up to be discovered once she was well and truly gone. She'd done the math. If the others followed her example, they could retire at a rate just barely exceeding the replacement rate. And if enough of them were succeeded, then who knew? Perhaps down the line there could even be some alternative network created to accommodate lost familiars. But that was the big cheese in the sky, idealistic nonsense. In any case, it wouldn't be her leading that charge. She was going to secure her own future first and foremost. Liss was a scientist, a survivor, 
not some hero. They'd have to be content with that. All she would do was start the process providing the first little step. It would be up to someone else to take the next. Alright, so yeah, a fantastic story by Komedo Soup. Um, I really do love the world building being done here. Um, it doesn't sort of front load a whole bunch of exposition on you. It's just taking you throughout this this day as we follow lists. And we do really get to understand this per this predicament that, that they are being put in. Um and on top of that, I do like the addition of the master being dead, right? Because it's sort of, it's, it is the beginning of this, of this new world for list. It seems like a beginning of a new arc, right? To where now they are by themselves and they feel their, their selves fading because uh, familiars apparently don't, don't really last long. So yeah, it's just very, it's just very strong when it comes to creating those those emotions for for this piece, and I mean that sort of core really does pull us through this story. So yeah, really great job. Yeah, um, I think the um, the core thing here is this conflict that the the world mm-hmm. opening brings through that this this slow fading and the trapping into this really terrible um, working relationship, and it, I like how. I really like how, you know, you can parallel the themes to real life um, really mm-hmm. easily. And, and I think that's also like also a good place for inspiration um, in general. And you, taking, um, I, I, I kind of am picturing that Kameda Soup kind of started with this situation from the fantastical sense before um, connecting it, you know, as a metaphor for, you know, being poor and having to, to work for your existence. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, after that connection is made, it's a really easy to make more connections and to to bring out um more things from there i mean in real life this is kind of what actually happened right Um, they had um uh poor houses right or workhouses where if you were destitute and you couldn't afford anything you'd basically like live in a dorm and then go work and that's your entire life you get paid pennies because it's all being paid for your housing which they get to set and etc um, mm-hmm. And so it was like, yeah, it was it's both charity, slavery. yeah, yeah, charity and efficiency, both, just like in in this one. Um, mm-hmm. And this is sort of like a yeah reflection also of like the sort of um, racks of riches sort of sense a little bit. Um, obviously, we don't see the riches part, but the you know working really hard and being smart about it, and then you can make your way out. However, I kind of like how it's like an in, an antagonistic sense. Um, it's not that just that she's like working really hard so that she gets a raise or whatever. She's like stealing from the the factory basically so that she can survive later on, um, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, yeah, it, it, there's this complicated character being drawn here where uh, she's intelligent and and wanting to save herself and also like has some sympathy and wants to save others, but like not nearly enough for her to like want to stick her neck out at all. And I think that's yeah. an interesting place to start a character. Yeah. Uh, I see where uh, Ko Mato Soup left a comment uh, saying that they weren't satisfied with this one, but also um, talking about how their their first version of it started off a uh, a lot more bleak, but I guess it was being too too bleak. 
in a sense. And I mean, I think that this story is a very nice mix of that uh, of that bleakness of that sort of of that sort of hopelessness feeling. But at the same time, it, it is still very balanced. You know, that that sort of bleak feeling, that sort of trap feeling is being balanced with uh, the the uh, the world building and the history of this um, character. So I think maybe in in like a second version, maybe bringing in a bit more bleakness could uh, create a a more a more unified tone for for the piece. But as of right now, this piece is very balanced. Um, and yeah, it, it is definitely like giving us this this really great tone. Um, and yeah, just like throughout, I can feel the the tension here, and you know, I can feel that trapped feeling and i mean that's that's really hard to um capture in in such a in in such a short piece so i mean overall like you really did hit the nail on the the head with with this one and and i think yeah in like a second and um third third draft adding a bit more depth maybe adding a a bit more of that bleakness feeling could definitely uh take this piece to the next level yeah the um, um i think the sort of the conflict of this character the I, I, something i think that can be used as a like a really good starting point to like warp and and work with um is the the character's conflict there that's drawn out the end of like her sort of being comfortable of like i'm gonna get out of here and then other people will will be fine i think that's such a really great place to like challenge that to challenge that mm-hmm. sort of selfish notion and either um you know, something happens where she, like, needs to uh, work with others. You know, she's, like, on the verge of getting kicked out, but she needs a lot more of these cups, so she has to work with others. Or um, she makes a connection with someone, and um, they need her help before she leaves. She has to do mm-hmm. some sort of sacrifice. Um, or some, yeah, some other con- consequence related to that sort of selfish outlook, uh, making her you know, go from just a survivor scientist to becoming that hero. Um, and that's like a really good setup there. I think you could even, um, if it was to maintain being a, a short piece, Yeah. Um, obviously like writing this piece sort of like Kamehameha probably was discovering as they wrote, um, you know, how the Magicide and, and the, the, this core conflict and who this character is and stuff. But if they were to restructure it, I think like having the um, the the whole their whole little plan right closer to the beginning or almost right at the beginning right we we open on the factory and stuff, and then basically we show her hiding it and and right after we get our like our introduction we know that she is hoarding the stuff to get out and then now that it's set up what her plan is that's when we can throw in complications and mess with her her plans and expectations and stuff um which of course yeah it takes a bit to like discover it when you're first writing but i think that would be like a really place to really good place to put that hook um and there's some other places mm-hmm. that also are like really um that i can see are places to start with right like what was her relationship with her master right what emotions does she have about that and of course if you were to do a whole plot thing then like you know did he really die in an accident right Ooh, and you know twist. stuff that goes on later on but obviously that doesn't really fit in this in a short piece that probably even if it was like restructured if you wanted to keep it short probably wouldn't like leave this 
um, factory within it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so there's a, there's a lot in here, a lot of different uh, threads to pick up. Um, yeah, and definitely. I think that's what's really good about, yeah, doing the right thing and stuff is that, like, even though you might not know what you're writing at the beginning, you you come up with something and then you can use that uh, and, and work with that and go forward with, with it. So Yeah, really. This is a fantastic foundation that, you know, as, as you said, you can build on so many different things. I mean, t- you can even take it from the beginning and just keep these characters or this world and... It still works very well, and I think it's because the the core conflict with with this main with this main character can feels very closely linked to to reality. So we are able to align with it with with, with it still being you know very fantastical. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely, if you like have the uh, the uh, time, yeah, I would just go back work on it. Maybe have this have this character make more of a choice than you know have things happen to to them. I think throughout this character does feel pretty passive, but you know you you are taking a lot of time to set up this sort of wider world. So I get it, but yeah, definitely if you want to add more onto this, making this character make make a choice that is influenced by who they are can definitely not only extend this this piece but also uh give this a lot more characterization that than we are uh currently seeing but really really great job like a really solid piece all Mm -hmm. around yeah sure um and the um i think the theme of like or the thing that (laughs) we're talking about about how um like challenge your your character and stuff i think that comes up with at least one other um listener submitted story this week so i'm excited to get into that with those as well um so we'd actually talk about that then so let's get into the rest of the submitted stories um and thank you so much for sending in your story Kameda soup um i really enjoyed it yeah thank you very much uh and yes it's time to hop on into our listener sub- submitted story section so thank you so much to everyone who did submit your story thank you very much to ace of sword glittering coast Komedo soup Jarby Jazz and Matt Set Words for submitting your story. And the first story we will be talking about is by Ace of Sword with Backfire. Uh, which was a very, very close submission. Uh, yeah. Literally 37 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm glad I'm glad you made the cut. But um mm-hmm. but in the story, this uh, there's a race going on and this red car explodes into th- into flames uh with uh suggestion in the aftermath that uh it was because of some sabotage perhaps and uh it goes and finishes the the race and uh even though it's it's been on fire it actually continues on for a whole victory lap before crashing into the rest of the cars and so we immediately sort of like gets a hint of like hmm this is strange why would a driver do this it might Mm, be something yeah ghost car um, the investigator Ellen uh, is looking at the footage and so we see her perspective as she has been like uh, tracking sightings of this other car um, a black car that looks basically the same um, showing up at races with tinted windows the driver never coming out finishing first and then just leaving and she sees a, a pattern that it's showing up um, when in races where most of the other competitors were there 
but not all of them. Um, and so she's like tracking down the like the same names that appear every single time. The suggestion that mm-hmm. maybe the car knows who sabotaged it, um, which is the thought that we connect, but Ellen does not. So it's a nice little dramatic irony. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, this is a, a really fun story. Um, I, I know in the beginning, this is a really nice cold open. I mean, we are we are coming in on this explosion and these flames and then it becomes even strange how this car is is um taking this this lap and it is sort of the perfect lead-in to the bulk of of the story which is tracking down this basically ghost car so yeah i think that this story is really well constructed uh and it's a really nice lead-in that that keeps us engaged throughout the story even when something as spectacular as something blowing up is happening so yeah i mean overall yeah really really solid story i would i would even say like maybe extending on this story and like really sort of bringing this this whole story to its flu flu fruition would work really well with uh what is what is currently here but really great job ace of sword um yeah there's a part at the beginning where um we flash forward after the explosion about the sabotage mm-hmm. i feel that that was a little telly um and perhaps e- e- although i mean i think it would have been fine if we were told it but i think waiting until a little bit later um rather than right as the explosion start um might have been a better place to place it just because we see this explosion and we want to see what you know what's the aftermath um but we this flashback kind of cuts that in half and i think kind of cuts that momentum a little bit so mm-hmm. um, I think that would be one thing to do um, and perhaps like, and I know that Ace of Sword was rushing for this one, but um, regardless, yeah, I think that would be one of my suggestions. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Well, all right. Up next is by Glittering Coast with She Ran. Um, so I love the, the opening here uh, as it starts with Willow's feet slammed against the ground, the breath leaving her lungs for heartbeat before she was up and running again. So really like a very media res uh, opening mm-hmm. mid run. And it was very cinematic. I could see the, the feet slamming Hectic. opening, opening, mm-hmm. right. Uh, very easily. Um, so Willow is a scavenger in some sort of post apocalypse. Um, we get a little bit of world building with the, like the waves of, of scavenging, um and whatever the the monsters are as they lurk in there although we never get like a clear description but she goes in there in a building she gets some stuff and she's um and she has to escape as the the creatures start to find her and uh she has to do a couple like different things to to try to dodge them uh but they're like gaining on her uh before she finally like slips over the edge uh to where humans are and i almost thought there would be a a twist of like these monsters are humans because there's a phrasing of um the humans that clearly marked uh the line um where their territory ended um and so Mm -hmm. it's unclear of like are the humans on the outside or the inside and i thought that was uh interesting but it does not confirmed either way um which Mm -hmm. i would have liked to to find out what exactly are these monsters yeah same same i mean I like the idea of keeping them fairly ambiguous when it comes to like what they what they look look like. But I mean, you you really just said it when you say that this story does read very um, cinematically. 
Um, there is a lot of action. We are we're going from place to a to a place, and and I do really like how it is handled. Like at at times, I would have liked a bit more description. Um, mostly when it, uh, when it comes to like when we do get into this main building, and sort of like how it looks more more so than it just being old and uh, decrepit, but. I think that the thing that really does carry us through is that this story does a great job of building that that tension. I mean, from from the very first first line, we we get that that we are running. She ran, which um, yeah, just just continues throughout the the whole story. And you know, we are we are asking questions of what is she running from? Why why is she running? As as we are getting bits of the first wave, the second wave, and the and the third wave. So I think that this story definitely feels very, very plotted out. It feels like it kind of knows where it is going and it feels very controlled in um, certain bits about the world that it is willing to de divulge. I just feel that adding a bit more of description and really taking your your time with this piece can only add to build this this tension even even more so to where it's it's reading more so like a th more so like a thriller than it does right now but overall like a really great start and i'm yeah i'm just really loving this this piece this piece great job um yeah so glitter and coast left a comment on it talking about um disparaging their ability to have uh, stakes for their characters and i i I can a little bit see what they mean, but I like mm -hmm. they put everything that they need for like high stakes in the story. Obviously, the characters already like at the the, the risk of being eaten by these things, right? Um, but mm -hmm. more importantly, um, like so at the end, the main character Willow escapes. I think a little too easily. It really seems like something is bad is going to happen because she like trips, but then she just gets away. Um, but yeah. I think that would be the perfect opportunity, right? She's, I mean, it's, it's really classic, but like she's a scavenger, right? And she has this big mm -hmm. backpack of things that she scavenged. Um, I think that would be the perfect opportunity of like, uh, you know. The backpack opens. Or at, she has to, you know, it's weighing her down and these things are going to get her if they kill her. And so she has to make the sacrifice and it super sucks because she's hungry already. And the people at home are probably even hungrier. And so she mm -hmm. doesn't want to be a failure, but because she doesn't want to die, she has to drop the pack, right? And then maybe yeah. the monsters get to it and it's totally destroyed and, uh, you know, she feels like a like a failure. Um, and so this is what I was talking about before about you can, yeah, just challenge your characters, right? You have um, this whole, like, the, you set up the situation, you set up some of these stakes, you set up uh, this problem. Um, but in, this is something I, I especially have a, a problem with where I just kind of solve it or the characters just mm -hmm. like enough to, to get through mostly okay or it's like hard but they get out fine rather than like having like real consequences um yeah just like i, I think that's why a lot of people like george R. R. martin stuff is just because he uh makes bad things happen to his characters constantly and yes. <laughs> we love our characters right because we often put ourselves into them but if you mess up if you make them mess up, if you make their life harder, it makes for a far more interesting story. So, um, mm. like the, the the part in here where she starts getting hot, caught, I think that's a a great part, right? Um, and I think that would have been another section to make things harder, right? The fire escape, um, a lot of them break, right? Well, this one mm -hmm. didn't, 
But if it did, that would be a much more exciting story, wouldn't it? If she had to, mm. as the fire escape's, like, collapsing, she has to, like, jump at the last second and roll, and she's, like, more injured now, and et cetera, right? So... Yeah. Honestly, um, I think, like, when it comes to the conversation of stakes, as as you were saying, I mean, we, we do know that she's being chased by these monsters, but it would be interesting to to see this this story not not only be like her versus monster but the whole world uh, against her i mean as you said like things are breaking things she's tripping over things the, the the air is hot it is it is uncomfortable and i think adding these these layers will definitely not only create stakes but it would give this story a lot more depth you know sure um yeah, yeah and yeah so like it's something that I, that I need practice with too, um, and make things too easy. I I was just writing a a story for myself like yesterday, and I realized, oh, I'm just like, like th- there's there's threats facing the character, but nothing actually like, it, they always get away before anything can happen, and so, mm-hmm. um, having yeah serious consequences I think is something. Um, that is natural for some people, and I think something that uh, others we have to learn it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, thank you very much to Glittering Coast for your story. Uh, and up next is by Jarby Jazz with Cold Lap Hot Lead. Uh, I think it's probably Hot Lead. Wait, actually, Hot Lead, Hot wait, Lead. It might be Hot Lead. I think Hot Lead is. The more normal, like, uh, mm-hmm. like what aphorism term, whatever, uh, term, phrasing. Because yeah, it's a bullet. Yeah, but also I think I don't know if there's a hot lead in this story, but there is a hot a lead that like hot in the trail, hot lead. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I'm not that's, sure. Yeah, but <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that yeah yeah it could be either one, but um, so this is a continuation of Jabri Joss's. Uh, last story not the one we read uh the one that um came after last week uh where there's all these like flesh crafters and so this uh the main character of last story was uh esty and she was this young analytical student and sort of like analyzed this corpse of a flesh monster and determined that there's this young uh or just some amateur flesh crafter and so here in this scene, we have uh, the same captain that spoke to her last time here. And I do like <laughs> where the lab is like described. We see that it's chilly and it's, um, but it's cleaner than it should be. Um, and it's a little like almost unnerving how clean it is before um, this um, girl, Esty, shows up. So a lot more description than last time, which uh, I do appreciate. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, the captain talks with Esty, and we sort of like get a sense of both characters. Esty is like doesn't understand that this is all creepy and gross and spooky. She's like covered in blood, and she uh, determines how um, this flesh crafter, this monster, was made from um, five of the corpses from a different flesh monster. Flesh. Oh my god, I'm getting so mis- mixed up with flesh monsters and flesh crafters, but <laughs> another flesh monster attack. <laughs> and so, sort of the implication of, like, they must be working together. And um, that's the lead that they have. And she's, like, covered in blood and, like, goes for a hug, but <laughs> that's not a good <laughs> idea. And she also um, asks to join officially the, uh, the, the 
um, forensics um, department uh, asking for mm-hmm. like a recommendation. So very much like doing all of this for uh, uh, like political reasons almost. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is a really good con- continuation to the last story. Uh, I was really wondering where this this story would would lead, but I do like how it really does a fantastic job of maintaining a consistent tone. Not not only within this piece, but coming off of the the um, the other piece. I mean, of of course, this is the same world, same same uh, characters, but it really does feel like that. It feels like this will just be on the next page. And on top of that, I really do feel how this story is ramping up how um now they're they're all part of this task force and and how they 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 actually do have a lead right and and, i mean that is always the the key part within any larger story is is that lead and then that red herring if you choose to um to um do that but i mean yeah this is just a fantastic continuation we're getting a lot more um in-depth knowledge of these of these characters that that i really do like and i really do uh uh, appreciate because the because this because this does seem like these will be the characters that we will be with for for a while so overall really great job jarby jazz uh yeah i really um enjoyed the development of both like the setting and um these characters um i didn't get a full sense that uh essie was like full-on like creepy but definitely like Mm -hmm. unnerving and um i definitely get almost a a i don't want to say sociopathic or any of those terms necessarily but definitely like a she doesn't care about the blood and and death and those kind of things to a point that like it's unnerving to other people (laughs) it's it's worrisome Mm -hmm. yeah but all right now we're it's time to move on to our final story for this week which is by Matt Said Words with Night Shift. So this is also continued from Matt Said Words, uh, his last post, and that's the one with the um, the dolly painting and the Martian like executive that goes on the golf course and murders the colony representative. Mm-hmm. So, do. so, but we pick up um, uh, a bit back with. Um, these two characters uh, who are nicknamed uh, Chick and Bear, which is it's fun. Um, <laughs> and they have some sort of like uh, some banter back and forth and they fit into these like sort of cop ar- archetypes with one is serious, one is not. I don't know if they're actually like cops, but that's sort of like the, the vibe in yeah. this one. They're, uh, if, if it feels like a buddy cop movie. Mm-hmm, a little bit. Uh, we get some more interaction with some of the other characters. Um with like this receptionist and we get a sense of like oh there's these water shortages and it's clearly like very uncomfortable to talk about these um uh, problems that they're having but they're sent off they're dispatched to go and uh check on like these drone the drone camera footage right so um they go over there and get more uh banter and we see that yeah they're they're going to uh they watch the footage and they uh, see something strange with the the infrared. Two people uh, inside of the the golf dome. One standing, one laying on the ground. They alter the image and they see that one is lying on the ground with a pool of blood around his head, and determine that oh shit, has there been a murder? Um, <laughs> and 
so they they sort of d- determine that they're not going to say the full on it's a murder, but they are going to like you know uh, in the morning they'll report the footage in person, right? Mm-hmm. But that sort of it really feels like that classic beat of like yeah we'll do it we will we'll just have to wait a little bit and then come the morning the footage is like deleted and then they have to go and prove it on their own or something so um i don't know if that's exactly where the story is going to go but that's the way it feels and it's always like a an interesting way uh for that to go Hmm. yeah yeah but yeah i really do like the um the the feel of of the story i mean we are being uh pre presented with these two newer characters but i mean really really quickly we grow to like them and their very fun banter back and forth how they are um basically talking about why they they have those like nicknames and they're teasing each each other i mean that is just a really great great moment to really set up who these people are and like how they um think and interact with one uh, another um um, yeah, so so I think after the first line break is is when this this story really does take off, it, and when they are basically uh, putting on their their um, helmets and um, heading out, right? And I think the 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 banter here is is still really well 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 placed, um, but the star of this is just sort of the depth of this sort of world building that is being set up here. And um, how these two characters fit fit into it. So yeah, I mean overall, this is just a, a really nice. Uh, it is a departure from the previous piece, but but you know, it, uh, again, it, it it does feel like it's set in the same same world. And on top of that, I think that this is a new and um, very interesting and fun direction that the story is going so overall great job yeah um i do like that the the characters feel a bit more uh grounded than the last but of course i also very much mm-hmm. enjoyed the the dolly-esque uh surality uh, of a <laughs> man just deciding to beat someone else with the golf club um uh, i like the sort of mystery that that might be setting up here with the banter i feel like uh, another sort of uh, thing that I end up doing too much is that I make my characters too likable sometimes and it does mm-hmm. feel like Chick either he's in an awkward place I think where he sort of have, has mannerisms and sort of is in a ro- ro- role that sort of implies that maybe we shouldn't like him that he's just like a yeah he's a sexual uh, assault sort of complaint away <laughs> yeah. to happen I think is how it's phrased and mm-hmm. or sexual harassment suit waiting to happen that's what it was and um he does he, he does some of those things and we're like definitely as an audience i was like cringing a little bit i was like that's i don't like this man that much but also he's just like pleasant and all right for the most part and Beryl, the other character likes him well enough and i feel like mm-hmm. there was room to either um make his antics less gross and make him more normally likable or go the other route and make him really dislikable and make him like actually like an actual sexual harassment suit like about to happen yeah. like and he gets put up with for one reason or another and really like have that animosity um but also not make him an antagonist it's it's hard for me at least to have like a dislikable 
well, obviously, I'm like, ooh, my protagonists are all likable. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, <laughs> it's it's hard for me to write a, a protagonist that I dislike unless if like that's the whole point, right? And so, but I think that's a, a it's a fun challenge to have of um, having a protagonist that is important and good in a lot of ways, but also really dislikable in other ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, as of right now, both of these characters feel like they are two sides of the same coin, right? Which is fine. I mean, it is great to sort of um, solidify that really deep co- connection that they have. But, you know, as you said, um, definitely giving them both their individual character traits and showing how they are different and, and how they might differ on, on certain on certain things can definitely um, not only strengthen the depth of these characters, but um, it can also become a problem that that they might have have to solve later. Like maybe one of them has a different view on a certain thing that they must do. That that is a point of conflict. So yeah, I just think really like working on these these characters even more, even though they are really good here, but sort of creating that depth can in turn just sort of take this story to the next step but overall fan really great job and thank you so much for uh submitting this week yeah um i really enjoyed all the stories this week and i hope that all of y'all continue i've been starting to do a thing on the discord of um reminding people um on the discord sending a notification to write your stories um i'll try to keep that up uh you know how i am about remembering you know especially smaller things but i think with something like this it's easy enough that that i'll it'll cross my mind on thursday and i'll be like oh i can just do that now and i'll go do it so uh if you haven't already go on the discord channel leave a react under the prompt um for this week and uh i'll try to ping you on either thursday or friday or something uh to actually Mm -hmm. go and write your story (laughs) yeah definitely definitely well, all right. I think it's time to give a big old do the right thing. Thank you to everyone who did submit their story this week. So, thank you very much to Ace of Sword. Thank you, Glittering Coast. Thank you, Komato Soup. And thank you, or thank you, Jarby Jazz. <laughs> and thank you, Matt Set Words. Thank you so much for submitting your story. And also, we would like to say thank you to everyone who did leave comments. Uh, leaving leave, leaving comments under your story, but also under someone else's story, uh, not only puts all of your own ideas on your story down there for everyone to see, but you are also providing someone else with crucial feedback that can only improve their story along with yours. So, thank you very much to Matt Said Words, Glittering Coast, and Komato Soup. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to Do the Right Thing, you can do that by going to Reddit on slash r slash Do the Right Thing. All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. That's right. And to see the words as soon as they come out, you can follow us on Twitter at RightThingCast and hit the notification button. Uh, we don't overtweet. You'll just see the notification for prompts and if our episode is delayed. So it's a great place to go. Um, if you want to send us feedback or uh, ask us a question or anything uh, like that, you can say that in the Discord or send us an email at RightThingCast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support us and everything else in Doof Media, you can do you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. 
All you have to do is donate $10 or more per month to get access to exclusive bonus content, including the latest episode of Doofovers. Uh, that's right. And of course, there's always so many other um, rewards at that level. Um, and if we're talking bonus content, <laughs> there's, uh, I think we have like four or five shows now. Um, they're really, really mm-hmm. fun. Um and yeah and there's other things going on there's like one thing that's like a like a secret thing that um i can't i'm not going to mention because it's not my place to announce it but i'm very excited about it um and i'm excited for all the the shows on the doof network i'm still keeping up with pale reflections um i finally like binged to catch up for in the last arc so that was exciting and of course um the end of this week i'll finally stop talking about it all the time because the uh the doof game club on disco elysium um is coming out and i should be able to be on it i i believe so um I, I need to get on actually like gathering some of my own footage and and putting together myself on uh, a paper so i actually know what i'm talking about um mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is the the plan and i'm very excited for um to hear what elliot and ruben have to say about this Elysium. um i think that yeah. will be friday 9 30 um uh central standard time i believe but let me check I think that is correct. Um, so in Australia, that's about uh, noon-ish uh, for for our Aussie boys. Um, but <laughs> over here, it's uh, later in the day. But um, that should be good for most people to, to join in. So if you at all want to hear all the, the stuff about the Scholesium, um, preferably actually if you've played it, because I'm, I'm, we're going to spoil it. And it's really good. So, uh, But at the very least, you'll, you'll probably be able to watch the beginning, even if you haven't played it. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. So, looking right. forward to it. Nice, nice. Me too. Me too. All right, it's high time to roll on into next week's words, don't you think? Mm-hmm. All right. So, next week's words are champagne, clearance, suffer, and oven. So, this really is a f- strange yeah, word. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, champagne is a kind of sparkling wine, and as mm-hmm. the very common fun fact party fun fact says uh only um like sparkling wine from uh the region of france named champagne can be called champagne all other sparkling wine is just sparkling wine because (laughs) apparently it matters what land it's made on i don't understand of course if it's Um, french it's french so you could use it either as the wine or the land so you got so many options and of course champagne is known mm. for like a party drink and like a celebratory drink particularly so mm. and it also yeah. sprays everywhere when you open it i know that <laughs> much you pop off the bottle because it's all the gas and it shoots off mm-hmm. and, and you waste all of your champagne exactly um clearance so uh there's two-ish definitions like sale yeah so <laughs> yeah one I, I i think um when something is on clearance in the store, I think it's because they're trying to clear it out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you could also say, like, clearance of, um, like, the amount of space you have to clear something, you know? Like uh, like on a bridge, you know? It yes. the clearance for, like, cars. Um, maybe something mm-hmm. else like that. I don't know. Uh, it sounds like this where it was, like, Maybe we should have done a, a thing of like actually googling definitions for them, but I feel like this is more fun when we just come up with it on the spot, yeah. Rather oh, than definitely. like reading also, a dry I mean, old definition. Thankfully, I guarantee most people know what clear. That's is. true, and like um, most people understand like 
the usage of these words. That's right. And we all should know uh, what suffering is, uh, the next word. So <laughs> uh, to suffer is to uh, endure. Live. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hardship or pain of some sort, um, usually over a long period of time, but not necessarily. So, yeah, if you suffer, you're just having a bad time. And oven, uh, which is what you make baked goods in or any sort of uh, really hot place. And there's other uh, sort of connotations, but I don't want to get into those. So we'll just stick to that one, the baking one. It's where you make food, <laughs> an oven. In an oven. Cool, cool. So what story are you going to be writing next week? Uh, good question. Um, I'm going to write about the time that I went to my Kroger and I went to the clearance section and I got a bottle of champagne uh, that was there and it was there and it was super old, which I was like, ooh, old wine. That's good, right? Uh, but apparently not for this champagne um, because it made me suffer greatly. I um, brought it home. And I stored it like I do all my wine in my oven because I don't use my oven. So I figured, you know, it's kind of like it's already like a wine rack, basically, you know, and it's in the kitchen. So it's like convenient. Uh, but I put it in there and then someone turned it on, which would, again, normally be fine. But because it was so bubbly and old, it exploded and I don't have a house anymore. Okay, okay, solid, solid, just a... Wild, crazy night, mm -hmm. it seems. Mm -hmm. um, my story for next week is going to be about um, getting drunk off of champagne, right? So, starting off, it's always really fun. You know, ooh, I'm so fancy. Ooh, I'm drinking wine from France. That's also sparkling and tastes like sugar. Mm. <laughs> uh, so, right? yeah, it, it, it always starts off really fun. But you should never buy champagne that is on clearance, right? Now, now technically, wine doesn't really go bad. But for it to be on clearance, I mean, something is wrong with it. And, of course, drinking too much wine of any kind can always end up pretty bad. Uh, typically, your stomach will, will suffer the, the most. And then it goes to the head. And then you zone out. And then you don't know where... You don't know where you're you're going, what you're thinking. Oh, something is burning in the oven. It is those fries that you tried to to make while you were drunk off of champagne. Um, and of course, with every great drunken night, it ends with you knee deep in a porcelain toilet. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you yeah. uh, specified porcelain as opposed to, mm -hmm. I guess, like plastic. Wooden, yeah. What yeah. wooden? Yep. Mm -hmm. The wooden toilet. The three food groups of toilet. <laughs> Plastic, wooden, and porcelain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, you have to have them all because that's uh the 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 right the do the right thing. thing to do is to use um a biodegradable toilet. We use all parts of the. I don't. Okay. That's fine. I'll just send the episode there. <laughs>